Hi, this is Marjorie Liu from New York Comic Con, and be sure to listen to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues, I'm Adrian, and I say this a lot, but I couldn't be more excited uh, to talk to today's guest. Um, actually, I have two guests today, so I'll introduce them individually. Uh, my first guest is uh, Vita Ayala, who is a uh, New Yorker, or I guess I should say fellow New Yorker since I live out here now, a fantastic writer. Uh, matter of fact, just prior to starting the show today, I had uh, read their story in this year's uh, Wonder Woman Annual, which... Holy shit, such a fun story. Uh, I had heard a lot about it, and I would finally got a chance. I'm like, you know what? Wait a minute. My girlfriend had a copy of it. I was like, let me read this through, and I was blown away by how well it is. And then kind of fell down a rabbit hole. But um, in addition to Wonder Woman, uh, they've written uh, for Bitch Planet, Triple Feature, just some other fantastic stuff. And they have teamed up with my second guest, Emily Pearson, who is an artist based out of California, and the two of them are about to release The Wilds from Black Mass Studios, and I've heard a lot about this. The art's fantastic, and the premise is really cool, so we will get into all that fun stuff today. Vita, Emily, how are you? Hi. Hey. <laughs> so before we even get into The Wilds, um, I figured what we'll do is just get both of your backgrounds and how both of you got involved in comic books prior before we even get into the book itself. I didn't actually end up reading comic books until I was about maybe 13 or 14. I was kind of late with that. I used to watch like superhero cartoons when I was a kid, but I didn't actually read, start reading comics until then. And then I kind of started drawing comics without really thinking about it. Because I knew I was interested in doing something art-related, so I kind of started practicing comics more because I think that was mainly the biggest thing for me, and that was what I was most into. So I ended up practicing that, and I started really focusing on that when I was maybe 17 or 16 or so. So here I am now. What was like the first comic that you had read? I don't remember. I think it was, I think it was Nightwing. It's a holds a special place in my heart. It <laughs> <That> was <laughs> my first series was a Devin Grayson's run on Nightwing, which is just fantastic. It's a great story. Vita, how about you? I have like over a decade on Emily, I think. So <laughs> my story spans way back to the time of the dinosaurs. When I was a kid, um, my mom got me and my brother for Christmas one year these Fisher Price comics, which were these like almost prestige format graphic novels, and they came with these cassette tapes. So I'm definitely dating myself that would read the text to you as you like went through. So I couldn't read at the time, clearly, but uh, I sat and like quote-unquote, read through my copy of Fisher Price's A Thousand and One Arabian Nights, like, over and over. I wore out the tape. I think I still actually have that comic. Uh, not the room where I'm standing currently, but somewhere. I'm pretty sure I still have it. Um, yeah, that book was bananas. When the tape wore out and I couldn't read the comic anymore, I would just make up the stories. I mean, I knew them so well that I didn't have to, but I would, like, just sit there and go, well, what if this happened instead? <laughs> so that is my origin story with comics <laughs> i think that's actually really cool i mean i've 
I used to have one of those, but I couldn't remember where any of those went. Like somewhere there's a landfill. There's a bunch of those that I have, and I, they're probably on there with a bunch of super embarrassing mixtapes from the early '90s. But <laughs> <laughs> those are vintage now. <laughs> See, that's going to be obviously once they become super famous, someone will dig them out. It'll be like one of those Kurt Cobain things. Like, oh, we found his demos at a uh, garage sale somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the lookout. So. <laughs> What was like your first, you would say, I guess, considered mainstream comic book? You being from New York, you know what a bodega is, right? So yeah. there's this little Korean bodega down the block from my house when I was a kid that had this like spinning rack of comics. And I can't tell you which one was first, but I roughly around the same time when I was like, seven, I'm not sure how old I was, um, maybe eight. Uh, I would like go with my mom to the bodega and I would beg her to let me buy comic books with my allowance money. and she would let me do it. So I think it was like Wonder Woman and Storm and and some another X-Men book with Rogue on the cover. I don't remember <laughs> what happened. But I remember looking at those three comics and going, I like these. They're pretty. I'm going to get them. <laughs> and then I fell in love with comics. So. And I feel like that's kind of, at least for people of a certain age, that's kind of how that started. Like, I can't ever remember a time where i was saying yeah i read the first issue of this and had read it for years it was essentially that but my grandmother used to buy i guess whatever was out so like we'd come home and it'd be like oh disney comic books and then there'd be like a copy of like early 90s luke cage and i'm like i don't know if she <laughs> read all this yet <laughs> nice slip that in there <laughs> right and I think that was just kind of awesome of her. And I think maybe she sort of felt guilty since she threw a lot of my dad's comics out. So I think maybe she was just trying to atone by having us read them instead. <laughs> <laughs> the Wilds, you know, living on social media, I've been hearing a lot about this through Black Mask. And the artwork alone, I thought was just breathtaking. So I guess if you don't mind giving like a rundown of what The Wilds is about. The Wilds has been really colorfully described by other people as floral horror, which I thought was like the greatest thing. Um, <laughs> now that's actually something I've never heard before. I like that. You know, coin it, copyright it, get that printed. <laughs> you know, I think I've I just, seen that like a couple times now and it's like, I've never heard this before either. It's just like a real thing. <laughs> like It's like such a like unique term, like floral horror. I don't know. I've never seen it's any so like floral horror movies so maybe we'll have to like start the genre <laughs> yeah i'm in i'm in uh the wild is floral horror basically it's a story about this woman daisy walker that takes place in a post-apocalyptic america and it's like the full normal post-apocalyptic except that instead of zombies we have these i mean they're flowers coming out of people's faces <laughs> like i could give you the like generic like this is what it's about but honestly like emily's art kind of speaks for itself like right the preview is out there and i think people should definitely go take a look at it her art is way better than my words it's <laughs> so. oh, no. really sweet i don't know if that's particularly true but <laughs> no i can attest to that for what it's worth because um i didn't mean to uh, of course cut off your synopsis but i was reading uh the previews for it and when you think about post-apocalyptic stories, you often think, okay, it's something like The Walking Dead or a Mad Max, or maybe even something akin to a Blade Runner, where it's dark, 
it's dingy. And if there is any type of, you know, supernatural element, it's always done in a very grotesque way. But what I thought was fantastic about the wilds was the fact that it's like there's this infection that's spreading, but yet it's strangely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess in terms of kind of what sets our story apart, when I was first thinking about it and when Emily and I first started talking about it, we wanted to do something that was a little bit different in terms of not just like not being grotesque, but in the way that the vehicle kind of moved, you know, through the world. We were talking and she said that she wanted to work on something uh, with mutations, with people that were mutated. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's do that. We're going to do that. That sounds awesome. And then I started thinking about that and I was like, well, why, why would this happen? Why would they look this way? And I was like, oh, metaphorically, we can look at it as if nature is reclaiming the planet, right? So humanity has done a lot to kind of savage nature and nature is done with that. I mean, this isn't the actual case in the story, but just kind of how it looks. So nature is slowly creeping back across the planet and taking it back from humanity. Well, what, what would that look like? I don't think that would look like dead bodies. I think that would look like the ruins of the human, you know, existence slowly sinking back into the earth, more animals, more plants. And so when we started talking about it, I was like, oh man, I think, I think that would be a really good way to kind of express that. <laughs> And that's definitely indicative of certain stories, you know, visually you've seen where buildings or like these tall skyscrapers, you know, obviously they start becoming covered in foliage. Like you said, like nature eventually kind of takes itself back. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I I really like about the comic, just because I get to draw it, is um, there's a lot of nature in the comic and a lot of, there's a lot of forests and you know, some like a post-apocalyptic settings, but it's really grounded in nature and it's not a post-apocalyptic story that necessarily takes place in like a ruined city or something like that. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely like a different setting. It's focused more on like traditional, beautiful plants and stuff like that. Vita, from what I've seen of your work, going back to, let's say, the Wonder Woman story that you had done, um, and this has been out since the summer, so it's not like I'm really spoiling anything by talking about it, <laughs> but something I thought was fascinating about that is telling a superhero story, but not necessarily just strictly a, oh, hey, this bad guy, he's a hero, let's have them punch and kick each other for a couple of panels. In the annual, it was this very part-hitting story where, um, if I'm not mistaken, King Shark is being tried for a crime that they didn't commit, and Wonder Woman basically stepping in <laughs> and just telling the government, well, King Shark did not do this. And it's like, well, what proof do you have? And something, and I can't, I wish I had the exact quote because I should have wrote it down. So um, please correct me. But there was a moment where Wonder Woman had thrown the lasso truth around King Shark. And then everybody was like, oh, that doesn't work on animals. And it's like, the truth knows no species. Yeah. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> like that is such a great phrase and after i read that i was like okay now i see where they're going with this and i thought that was a really great angle and obviously a lot of the work that you've written comes from a place that you know dare i say let's say about you know social issues and i don't want to say necessarily politics in a standard sense but i think everything that i've, I've worked on has kind of that through line of, of what I believe. Um, and, and the wilds is no different. Just, I, I think that everything that anyone creates has a piece of themselves. And I try to be conscious about what I put in. 
right? So in Wonder Woman, I wanted to kind of explore this idea of justice and not justice just for people that are of a certain type or are attractive, but truly, if we are going to, you know, have the system that is supposed to work, then it should work for everybody. Right. And in the wilds, I'm being a little like joking and just talking about like floral zombies, which honestly, I'm loving more and more every second. But (laughs) at at the core, (laughs) at the core of the wilds is this story about uh, a woman and, and the people that she cares about who are being exploited. And they're being exploited because there, I mean, it's a it's a matter of life and death, right? So uh, it's easy to tell this story in that extreme situation because the stakes are very high and it's very clear. But at the root of it, it's about how certain kinds of people are kind of like expected to perform a lot of physical and emotional labor and are not compensated, are not acknowledged in any way, are just expected to give and give and give until they die. Um, and, you know, we can name those groups of people, but I think it's pretty clear. And I think it's clear through the wild as well. I'm not, I don't shy away from showing it. Nor should you. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just not that kind of person. <laughs> you follow me on Twitter, you know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I wanted to do, I wanted to explore these themes in a way that was also, like I said, high stakes, but also entertaining and beautiful these are really intense and difficult kind of discussions that we can have. And I don't think there's any shame in wanting to present them in a way that invites people into the story and invites people into the perspective as opposed to just being oppositional. I think that's what I love about the combination of, you know, both you and Emily is on one end, the artwork is just, it's literally like each panel could be a print in and of itself. A hundred percent. That's really sweet. Then you get the story that's very hard hitting, but it doesn't necessarily beat you over the head, but it makes you uncomfortable. And like any topic that needs to be discussed, I feel personally that it should. I, I agree. Yeah, and I agree. you know, one of the biggest tragedy of this is that Emily, she's an incredible artist, but she's doing it all in digital, which means I can't buy any of the pages. <laughs> 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 the biggest tragedy. <laughs> Eventually, maybe I'll learn traditional art and send all the pages your way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that actually brings up a good question, though. As far as your approach to artwork, um, have you done strictly digital or um, had you gone traditional then making the transition to digital format? I think this past year, I've done all like my comic work basically 100% digitally. I used to do more traditional stuff, but then it's like digital so nice because you can it's like if there's a mistake you don't have to work around it you can fix it <laughs> and i know some people are kind of like oh you should work around it it will make it more interesting it's like sometimes <laughs> and so it's for this it's like it's really nice to do digital because um there's just a lot less to worry about and i don't have to worry about spilling ink on my page or anything like that and getting it all scanned and you know our colorist marissa can just go under the lines and and color it. So it's a lot easier, but there's some things I do miss about traditional. I honestly, I wouldn't even think there was an issue with the digital. Um, I I feel like we're kind of blowing your head up a little bit with this. (laughs) And I I hope you're not super embarrassed by it, but you know, own that. Cause like I said, it's damn good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's definitely tributes to both. I think, I think there's really amazing traditional art. And then there's some, people it just depends on who you are i feel like some people prefer digital and some people prefer traditional 
the medium they're more comfortable with, they produce better art because of it. So definitely one of those things. As far as pitching this story, was there any difficulty in not only writing the story, but also pitching it uh, to a place that would hopefully, I guess, understand what you were trying to go through with it? Honestly, I was uh, very lucky. I I was am working with, uh, with Black Mask on another book, which has already been announced. Our work fills the pews. And, uh, you know, I go to all these conventions and I see the guys there all the time. And I, you know, you get to talking about what you're working on and what you want to do. And, you know, I mentioned wanting to do this story and it was something that there was interest in immediately. Um, and then when Emily and I went through and really kind of chiseled away all the nonsense and got to what the story would actually be, then there was a lot of enthusiasm. And uh, I think that this was a very unusual case in that it was actually very smooth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> I know that's so sad that, you know, the fact that it works so well has to feel like uh, <laughs> such a strange occurrence because, you know, you hear so many stories about either pictures or meetings that go awry. But yeah, like I almost feel bad even personally and other things that I've done where the fact that maybe certain things that you thought you'd have to struggle harder on went through without a hit. You're like, was that okay? Was that supposed to go that well? (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of cool publishers that have been popping up that have been taking on, dare I say, more challenging comics. And, you know, no disrespect to anything of the traditional, but certain stories wouldn't necessarily play in certain houses. So I guess kudos to them. And a matter of fact, also congratulations, because I did hear about Our Work Fills the Pews, which you're co-writing with uh, Matt Rosenberg. Yes, correct. If you don't mind getting into a little bit of that, because um, I love the title. That was a 100% Matt Rosenberg title. He is very clever with those. Pews <laughs> <laughs> was something that Matt and I, well, he had come to me and told me his idea. We used to work at Forbidden Planet together years and years ago. And what you do when you stand around in a comic book shop is you pitch comics to each other, basically. <laughs> and he told me about this idea and I was like, dude, that's awesome. I would love to read that. And then he came back and he was like, Hey, do you want to develop this together? And so we, <laughs> we've been hammering away that for quite some time. And I'm super excited for that when that comes out. Then with that said, then how did you and Emily meet? I'm not hundred percent sure this. I think you messaged me on Twitter thinking I was someone else. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that might be true. That might be a hundred percent true. Uh, I, I, <laughs> That sounds like me. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to call you out or anything. No, no, no. I'm trying to remember if that's true, but I'm going to believe you because that sounds exactly like something I would do. I think you thought I was someone else and you're like, hey, I met you at this con. And I'm like, that wasn't me, but hey, how's it going? Yep. And so yeah, we were following each other on um, Twitter for a while. And I don't know, we just started talking. We wanted to see if we wanted to do something together because I liked Vita's writing and she seems to like my art for whatever reason. I'm a fan. Uh, It could be because you're good at what you do. That could be it. (laughs) By the way, Emily, I did watch that video of you had uh, done a piece on uh, Big Boss from Metal Gear Solid. As a matter of fact, um, remind me to post that in the show notes because y'all need to see this thing. It's it's crazy. That was (laughs) so More, More work in progress, please. Yeah, I. <laughs> that's from like my YouTube channel, which I have like three speed drawings and I haven't touched for like a year or so. <laughs> so it's crazy to hear that 
someone actually saw something from that that drawing in particular it was inspired off of Yoji Shinkawa, which is one of the best artists ever. So yeah, I just wanted to do Metal Gear thing. Now I'm almost kind of curious then, if your meeting was almost mistaken identity, it's like, I wonder who it was supposed to be. <laughs> Me too. And I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, but I'm sure. <laughs> it was like a year and a half ago too, so it's like, I don't even know. I don't either. I honestly don't. And I had to get into a habit of, after meeting people at a Comic-Con, like, <laughs> writing down who they were, you know, any, like, important information, social networking-wise or email. But then having to make sure I write, like, a brief description of who they were. Because <laughs> I also, anybody who's listening, if I met you at a con, I am so sorry. Because, you know, especially when you're dealing with either press or other comic creators, you meet so many people. And... You try to make sure you go back so that when you run into them again, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when we spoke at, uh, you know, this show. And, and then having to think, oh, my God, did we speak before? It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as no one minds me opening a notebook right in front of you, going, flipping through, being like, okay, you're the guy that wore the green hat. Man, I'm just wondering, like, if I potentially still, like, work from someone. <laughs> if, like... If then another alternate reality, like you messaged the right person and started working on the wilds with them instead, it's like, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> did I'm I good. just this steal a job reality. from someone? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, now this starts into like this really awesome uh, theory on the uh, multiverse. And is there like another Vita and Emily who are working on a completely different project that isn't the wilds? What would it be? Oh my god, no, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm one of those people where you can really confuse me if you wanted to. Like, I'm not. <laughs> no, this was meant to be. I'm 100% sure that that story is true because now I'm remembering it. So that sounds right. But I'm glad that things worked out the way that they did because Emily is absolutely just the best. Like, I, I could not ask for a better partner on this project or any other. And she's going to blow up. So she's not going to work with me anymore. But I... <laughs> On the offense that she wants to, I have a million things that I want to do. I'm always a fan of happy accidents, because look at it this way. If you hadn't found Emily, who knows where this book would have ended up. She changed so much of it, like like some of the fundamental stuff that I can't even imagine what it would be right now. Yeah, I think like just our collaboration with each other, like changing, but also coming up with a lot of new points for the story together. And I, I don't know if it made it feel like a lot better to draw because it's not just like a theme. It's like, okay, this is the script. I just got to like copy it down or whatever. It's like, I feel like it's like my story too. Now, you know, it's, it just, it's so much more like fulfilling to work on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's collaborative effort as well as should be. And I'm sure some teams work better with being like, okay, you write the script, like I said, I'll draw it out. And, you know, we go from there. But I personally like if something I was working on, you know, someone does provide input. And even if you don't necessarily agree, I feel like that's uh, a mark of someone who's generally invested in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Unless for any reason that you two completely butt heads, which obviously is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I mean, I, I tend to defer if there's a real like passionate feeling about something and it's something that can be worked with. I tend to defer to the artist because I feel like in a very real way, I type some stuff on the page, but the artist and the colorist and, and everyone after me spend so much more time with the physical kind of creation of the book that it has to be something that they're 100% into and 
really love because otherwise they're just not, you know, like Emily said, it would just be something like a job. If you wanted to just do a job, you know, you could just do something else. And you've also done some work for Vault through the uh, cult classic Zero Short. Yeah, Peter did as well. We both did short stories for Vault. I did mine with Elliot Rahal and I think... Peter, you did yours with Jen Bartel and Marissa Luis, right? Yeah, it was Jen and Marissa. Oh, nice. That's a hell of a collaboration. It was just really crazy working on that because it's like, it's just working on that story and it had like Daniel Kibblesmith and, you know, uh, Jen Bartel and (laughs) it's just all these crazy, amazing comic book creators. It's like, what am I doing here? Like... Why, why did you, you guys, like, let me come along? <laughs> I mean, you belong, clearly. That little anthology was just hilarious. I'd read the script for Elliot's already, and so seeing it drawn out by Emily, I was like, oh, this is so funny. This is so much, like, it was already hilarious. And then just, like, the alien with the ice cream, just, I could not breathe. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. It's oh, so my God. Elliot, like, he wrote in the script, like, like specifically a couple times, like, draw me as a fat chubby kid <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> i'll try my best <laughs> that's a really fun project and a lot of great creators and emily definitely deserved to be there it was definitely really rewarding you know that was like my first time like really working with a publisher too just being able to talk to adrian and damien those are such cool guys and like they're yeah. they're like so down to earth so it's just it was a really good experience those are some good boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but advice someone had given me a while ago, being at a show once and kind of having a thing of like, why the hell are they allow me to do this? You know, but then, you know, someone literally being like, hey, you know what? You work in this field. You belong here. That's right. And there's a lot of awesome talent coming up that these are going to be the people who will be not necessarily even creating the next big thing, but just like the next awesome thing. You know, I think that's just important and own that, you know, your work's awesome. And that obviously Vita loves the hell out of you. And I think it really shows through in the work. Yeah, thank you. It's just, it's so great to work on the wild. It's like, it's like a dream job and just being able to draw like stuff that I'm, I'm just also really interested in drawing, like, there's a bunch of like cool characters and a bunch of nature settings and cars and it's, it's a really good time. <laughs> I think what did you say the when we were first like talking about stuff? It was like, if I get to draw cute girls, then I am happy. And I was like, and <laughs> yeah. I got the story fear. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my only <laughs> reserve. I think every like every comic book artist like has a couple things they really don't like to draw and it's just I don't have anything that I, I really avoid drawing a lot of the time, but I, I have to draw at least one cute girl or else it's it's just a wasted opportunity. <laughs> I like I thought that would be like a part of the contract and it's like, alright, I'll work on this book under one condition and one condition only. And you just slide the paper across the table. <laughs> <laughs> cute it just says cute girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you All cannot right. honor this, we will renegotiate with somebody else. <laughs> now we have floral horror and also the cute girl claws I, there you go now we coined a couple of phrases tonight <laughs> okay perfect you know getting back into the wilds though considering how a lot of the social issues that are worked into this book what would you say is kind of like the ultimate goal behind this story and what you hope to get across the readers i've actually only been asked this once before and i think it was just like in passing in person for me personally, I think the end game is kind of to show that it, 
not that this exploitation happens because everybody knows that that's that's not a secret <laughs> but that it's okay to lay down the burden you do, you don't have to give everything that you have for nothing in return you know people talk about you know well you know there's these greater goods and it's like yes everyone working together towards greater good that's fantastic but you do not owe anyone your suffering and you do not owe anyone your life it's okay <laughs> and that is something that it took me a really long time to learn for myself right and that is something that i see a lot of people struggling with you know people of color and women of color especially are constantly asked to do all of this physical and emotional labor for almost zero acknowledgement and it's just it's okay you can you know and and that translates in real life where it's like you can just get off of twitter you know you don't have to witness all this <laughs> terrible stuff or it, it could be like you do not have to stay after hours and work the extra time for no pay. You don't have to do that. That's not a thing you have to do. It's just, it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> I hadn't really been super active on social media, um, only because a lot of it had to do with the fact that, well, Star Wars is out and I didn't want to spoil for me. So it would believe me, the, the causes weren't as noble as just more super nerdy, but... <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, okay, on the one account, I just muted a bunch of words or phrases. So at least that way I can still do my thing without it, you know, because people are going to talk about it, you know, yeah. as well they should. But then without thinking about it, hadn't really checked social media. And like I said, I never want to be someone who would be considered ill-informed or not acknowledging what's been going on in the world. But there came a point where it was almost too much. It's bombardment every day like i can't think of a a day that i have not been upset or anxious about various parts of my own identity because of the way that we're treated in years i mean ever really but like i mean since ferguson i can't i can't possibly like i just haven't had a good night's sleep since then and it's just like yo it's okay to put down the phone sometimes you don't have to be the witness of everything it's okay we got you there are other people <laughs> You know, for some, this fight was a fairly new one, but for a lot of people, especially marginalized people, this is a fight they've had to deal with their entire lives. Yeah. So while, yes, it was crazy to see it, you know, constantly in your face on social media and like, you know, the last handful of years, you know, people have to grow up with that without there ever even being a social media to contend with. Right. Right. So it's like double that. And like I said, there just came a point where it's just like, I, I can't today. And I started to see people kind of vocalizing that in some regard and then sort of having there be a blowback. You know, why are you not caring about this? And I'm like, that's far what this is about. This is just a, a point of if I'm constantly being barraged and I'm feeling burdened, then I'm no good to anyone and neither is, you know, the next person. So... It's not a matter of quitting, but there just comes a point where you just need to just step away from it a little bit and at least regain some sense of humanity, for lack of a better term. Absolutely. And and that's at the core of Daisy's journey, right? Mm. So she's a person who, who wants to help people, not just because, you know, this is a end of the world scenario and, and that's just what we got to do, but because she was always the kind of person that wanted to help people, but you can't. You can't help everyone. And if you kill yourself, then you can't give anything. So you kind of have to learn how to balance doing good work and doing what you need to do with also taking care of yourself and, and living your own life. 
Yeah, I feel like with the wilds in particular, Daisy's a very selfless person. And I get the sense that there's this sort of like guilt that she's not doing enough. And it's, she has to, you know, break her back or else she's not, you know, this insane mentality. And then so I feel like when reading the wilds, you're really going to get a sense of what it's like for her, but also how she kind of goes through that. And I feel like with situations like that, I always have a saying where you cannot help someone unless you are taken care of or something like that, where it's just, if, if helping someone puts your own happiness at expense, then you, you have to let it go. I mean, it's hard sometimes depending on what the situation is and it can have gray areas, but if you're not able to take care of yourself, there's no way you're going to be able to help other people. So it's definitely something to kind of be aware of and think about and just ultimately just take care of yourself. And I don't know if it's maybe just our society and that's kind of how, um, shoot, I wish I could remember the name of the comic. Um, I believe it was like the first laws of mad science. Um, I had met, uh, the creators at a comic con and they're selling a t-shirt with the slogan, you know, work until your family is sad. and it was funny to me but at the same time i'm like wow that's such a sad thing that we pump into our own heads or have that hammered into us that you know we are constantly working and we are nothing but the jobs that we do that it's like holy crap we've kind of forget to live yeah for sure vita and i have been actually kind of careful about what we about that while we were working on this comic book if we have like breaks in our schedules will help each other out and we'll make sure that because it, it's putting together a comic book is a lot of work and there's a lot of different stuff you have to do for it so we've been trying to make sure that each other is you know not going to go insane from you know overworking ourselves so it's been it's been nice to have that collaboration a lot where you know you have someone looking out for you right and i, I think that's important I, yeah, it's been awesome, <laughs> actually. Like, Emily has definitely saved my life on a couple of occasions. Huh? <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> I, I mean, you have to. <laughs> like, it, it's just one of those things where we both have a lot of work, and we both really try to make sure that if we can help each other out, that we do. And it, it's just, it's been really nice to have a collaboration like that. Absolutely. I mean, it would be terrible if you were working together and it was not only drudgery, but, you know, just borderline punishing. <laughs> you know, it's like, because <laughs> then that, of course, comes across in the work itself, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. No, is there any other plans of you two collaborating in the future or you're strictly uh, handling the wilds for now? I hope so. I, I hope I so. Mean, <laughs> Vita and I have been talking about you know other stuff we can do with future stories for the wilds or you know just anything in general and it's we both have busy schedules but i definitely think i'm i don't want to sound presumptuous but i definitely think we will make time to work together in in the future oh yeah you let me know uh (laughs) i'm there (laughs) absolutely any sort of uh, i guess words of advice or encouragement and i know you kind of gave a few nuggets already but what would you say is something that's sort of super important for anybody who may be starting out to help you know push them along one of the big things that's been really helpful is finding friends that are also starting out 
So I have a couple different comic book artists and writers that are also trying to get into comic book industry right now. And just seeing like each other grow and have successes is just the best because you want to get in it at the same time and just being able to share that happiness with someone is really great. But I mean, alongside that, just reaching out to people and talking to other comic creators, you know, making a Twitter account is a really big deal. It's the best way to talk to other creators from what I've seen. Generally, if you're looking to get into comics, just start making a comic. It's really the best thing you can do. Echoing that, yeah, just do it. You're not going to be paid right away to do what you want to do, so you might as well do what you want to do on spec and just put it out there because people look at your portfolio. That's what they're looking at. I, I also think sure. that, like, just patience. Do not lose hope. Things change. You'll be talking to people and then, su- you know, they'll say they want something and then suddenly it changes. It's okay. Don't compromise the core of your story, but be open to change and be willing to adapt. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you so much. And oh, shoot, before we head out, though, when is The Wilds being released? The Wilds is coming out on February 28th. Are there any other uh, sites or social networking accounts that you uh, would wish to plug before we leave? For me, I am the handle at Emishly Art on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, E-M-I-S-H-L-Y. So yeah, that's where you can find me. I am at Definitely Vita, and I'm that on Twitter and on Instagram. I guess I do still have an Instagram. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm mostly on Twitter, so... Sorry, yeah. I guess. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us, Twitter is definitely the best place. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and for everybody else, you'll hear all our social networking stuff handled by my lovely producer after the ending theme. But that'll do it for us at Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash adrianhasissues. Follow us on Twitter at adrianhasissues and on Instagram at adrianhasissuespod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again!